the habitat that you provide going into this time of year is invaluable in regards to providing birds with some of the things that they need to get ready to migrate this fall if they're a migratory bird. In all cases, molt this fall and replace their feathers and get good fresh feathers that will help them uh, have the highest efficiency in regards to flight. And also really important for the insulation qualities going into the cooler weather. So yeah, those native plants support all of those things that we're going to be talking about today. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Nature Centered, a podcast from Wild Birds Unlimited about feeding the birds and enjoying nature right in your own backyard. Here are your hosts, naturalist John Schaust and Brian Cunningham. Hi everyone, I'm John Schaust. And I am Brian Cunningham. And welcome to episode number 77. Lucky sevens, all right. And Woo. today, we're going to be talking about the basics of transition. Kind of the supporting the transitions this time of year of molting and migration and the whole change for birds going from summer into fall. So many changes going on with the birds. And we're going to talk about, hey, what are those kinds of foods that the birds are looking for, the key ingredients that you can offer in your own yard that's gonna help them with that molting time, as well as what are those key ingredients to help them with that migration transition? Yeah, Brian, it's really important. that It really, really is a huge transition is all about change and change can be really tough sometimes. So mm -hmm. what we can do to help out really can make a difference. So, so stick around for the fun and learning. Well, John, before we jump into all the, the fun and information about molting and migration and transitions, you know, we have been asking our listeners to rate and review us because, you know, we do take a look at that. We, we read everything and we have had uh, some reviews coming through lately, and I think it'd be fun to share a couple of those. <laughs> well, share one anyway, right? Because <laughs> this is one of those great ones where, you know, somebody wrote, I love this podcast. Okay, I like it. That's a great start, right? <laughs> the moderators are funny. Okay, that works. And then they threw in the line, sometimes a bit corny. <clears throat> that would be you, Brian. <laughs> and over the top with their laughter. Oh, I guess I need to. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> But they have tons of great information and informative guests. I have learned so much recently and became a certified wildlife habitat through the National Wildlife Federation thanks to the info from this podcast. Score. That is huge. We love hearing that. And then they end up the, the review by saying, keep up the good work. Well, we would say the same thing to our listeners. Man, keep yes. up the good work. We do hear that a lot, that people are certifying their backyards. And, and you know, Brian, you and I have promoted, you know, habitat in people's backyards and how important that can be and to change out to native plants and and bird-friendly plants and that type of thing and, and to hear that people are actually doing it and then mm -hmm. certifying with national wildlife federation man we're on fire here dude <laughs> oh it is it's fantastic i love that you are helping out birds and wildlife when you get your yard certified because you're getting more native plants in there and you're getting all the different components that birds and wildlife need to be able to not just survive, but to really thrive. We've changed the landscape so much just by putting up homes everywhere. And this is a great way. This is the way giving back and, and being able to support nature and, and also bring nature back into our own yards so that we can yeah. enjoy watching them. So I love this. This is great. 
And speaking of transition, it's that perfect transition, as you well know, because the, the, the habitat that you provide going into this time of year is invaluable in regards to providing birds with some of the things that they need to get ready to migrate this fall, if they're a migratory bird, are to, in all cases, molt this fall and mm-hmm. replace their feathers and get good fresh feathers that will help them uh, have the highest you know, uh, efficiency in regards to flight. And also really important for the insulation qualities going into the cooler weather. Uh, new feathers have much higher insulation qualities. So yeah, th- those native plants support all of those things that we're going to be talking about today. Definitely. So love hearing the reviews and love hearing that y'all are getting those yards certified. And uh, we also have lots of listeners in Canada, Birds Canada, the, the Gardening for Birds website, loads of information to one of our other great partners. So if you haven't really started yet, you th- there's plenty of time. Get yeah. going, including one native plant a year can be super simple. So yep. check out those resources and we put, we'll put the resources into our show notes. So you have links to where to go find all sorts of information to be able to know, Hey, where can I find native plants and what are the right kinds for my area? Absolutely. So we got you covered. <laughs> well, let's talk molting and migration. I mean, why, why are we highlighting these things and why this time of year, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe, maybe let's break them into two. Let's, let's talk about molting. Why is molting part of this transition? What is molting, you know, in the first place? What, what, what does it have to do with all this? Get back to basics, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Molting is the process when a bird changes out their feathers. Um, you know, we continually grow our hair out for, for those I know, some don't do so well with uh, growing the hair on top of the head the older you get. But um, as our, our fingernails and our hair just continually grow, and that is not so with birds and feathers. When birds grow out their feathers, they grow out the full feather. When it's done growing, it stops. And then it's like hair or fingernails where it just sits there. Um, but it does not continually grow. And so when birds molt their feathers, they grow all their feathers out and then they have them most of the time for just about one year. And so those feathers have to be tough to be able to last for a year for all the things that a feather does for a bird. Uh, and a lot of times when you think about our backyard feeder birds, those visitors to our yards, they wait until after they've raised their young in the summer and then they molt their feathers. So most of our backyard feeder birds are finishing up their molting in August and September. Uh, so for the month of September, yeah, this is, this is like prime time. And you may not even notice that it's happening because not all the feathers, it, it's rare, very, very rare to see a completely naked bird because that's just <laughs> not going to do. <laughs> that's, Sorry. That's just not going to work for a bird. But <laughs> The mental image that came up in my mind was, you know, never <laughs> Because feathers create that insulation for birds besides just being able to fly. Uh, and so they, they molt out their feathers in tracks along their body. Mm-hmm. And uh, just super cool how that whole process works. Yeah. Yeah. So bottom line, it takes a lot of energy to grow all those feathers. And, and for various reasons. It obviously, energy for producing the, the, the feathers themselves. Uh, the other thing you have to realize is when they are molting, in some cases, they don't have as much insulation. 
And so the demand on the energy and the calories to keep a little warmer than maybe they normally would because those feathers aren't providing as much insulation until the whole molt is complete. So it takes a tremendous amount of energy. So energy for birds is all about fat. You know, fats in their diets is, is a very, very important thing to provide all this energy to do the molting. It is also about proteins, as Brian already mentioned. Proteins are huge in regards to feathers are, what, 90, 90% protein, if, 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 you know, the keratin. Um, so bottom line, they have to have a, a tremendous amount of protein in their diet during this molting period, which is about two to four weeks, depending on the species. Some actually take up to eight weeks the larger birds, but most of the birds within a two to four week period can, can uh, go through their molts. So the bottom line is during that time period, they are really seeking out lots and lots of protein to help grow those feathers. That's a key component there, having all that proteins. And like John, you said, having those fats, just so you now have the energy because the proteins are the building blocks and then the fats are the energy. But also interestingly, there are certain fats mm-hmm. that while a bird is molting their feathers, those fats then have different colors, pigments. That's what I'm looking yep, for. They yep, have different yep. pigments um, that then are what actually colors the feather, which is really, really cool. Because uh, then that's where your, your reds and yellows and oranges and your, your blacks and your browns and the grays all come from. Um, but then the fun little secret, blues and greens <laughs> usually are not from a pigment. Yeah, Those are usually just the way the feather is formed and then it's a refraction of light that gives off that blue or green so Mm -hmm. fun little feather secrets there right yeah well and the other cool thing about the fats that create the pigments that create the colors that pigment actually provides a lot of the strength in that feather so if you've ever seen um, an albinistic bird or a leucistic bird who has a lot of white feathers on them uh, when they don't really wouldn't have white feathers uh, those w- feathers are actually very weak, uh, and you will see them fray. Quite often you'll see them much heavier wear patterns on those feathers than on the pigmented feathers. So that whole fat thing is in regards to also the strength of that feather because of the pigments that are being imparted in the color. So again, that dual protein and fat, so important. So you know, for us, you know, my recommendation always is one, have lots of native plants that provide the high fat seeds and, and, and fruiting trees that would provide them with the, the fats and the proteins that they would need for this process. And then also oh, yeah. in your bird feeders and then also in your bird feeder, then you have yep. the foods that are really good and, and, and high in fat and proteins to help them with this process. Most definitely. Yeah. And we can cover some of those foods in a moment because I think if we talk helping your birds with migration. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, crossover in the foods that you can be offering. So high proteins and and those fats for molting. But migration is that other piece in transition as as summer's waning, fall's kicking in. We already have some birds that back in August were like different warblers were already on on the move in migration. I've seen a lot of posts on social media about that. Hey, what's this bird? Confusing fall warblers. <laughs> yeah, on the 26th of August, Brian, I had a black and white warbler in my backyard. How cool was that? That's fun. <laughs> Here in so Central Indiana, fun. on the 26th of August, I had a black and white warbler. <laughs> Did it, was it coming to foods? 
No, no, it was oh. working the tree trunks and the tree limbs like it always does, you know. Mm-hmm. Kind, of that, kind of that nuthatch scenario where they walk up and down the tree branch and the tree trunks and stuff looking for right. insects. So, yep, the little warbler it likes to be like a nuthatch and can kind yeah, of walk, yeah. walk down a little bit on those tree yeah. trunks. So yeah. cool. Um, yeah. But with birds in migration, you know, we have different birds that are moving at different times. But September, October big time for a lot of our songbirds that do migrate to, to be on the move. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and migration is a fascinating thing. We did a, like a whole podcast on migration and why birds move. Why yeah. they even, why, yeah. why even migrate? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was going to the same place, Brian. I was going to think of the same thing. Here's <laughs> why, why do they, this is a lot of danger, mm-hmm. risk, energy, effort, why would you bother? <laughs> you know, right. if you're living in the tropics in the wintertime, why not just stay there and have your young down there? So, yeah, it's a fascinating little reason as to why we think they do this. For real. They do it and all the reasons they do it. But to do it is what we're talking about today is you and you need the energy to be able to do it. And fat becomes the key. And fat with birds is an absolutely fascinating nutritional scenario. I think we've mentioned before, I know we've mentioned in plenty of in-person presentations you and I have done, if I could have the metabolism of a bird, I wouldn't need all these diet scenarios or have to have to watch my diet or do extra workouts. Uh, because when we put on fat, uh, humans put on fat, we just, we don't, we store it differently than the birds and it takes longer for us to process that fat back out. But birds, man, they can, if they consume too many calories today, they're starting to put on fat. And then they could burn that overnight or they can burn that just by sitting and metabolizing or needing extra energy or by flying. A lot of our songbirds, as they migrate, they're not doing long distance migrations. Many of them are doing an overnight migration. And then they sit on the ground, they sit in trees and eat for two or three days and then hop again for another overnight migration. Well, yeah. And, you know, again, back to the origins of the whole migration, one of the common concepts is that if you just look at the globe, where is most of the land mass? South mm-hmm. south of the equator or north of the equator? And if you look at the globe, the vast majority of land mass is north. So the theory is that birds are coming north because basically there's just so much more land that they can have larger territories with more resources for raising their young with food, et cetera. And therefore, they can be higher success rates in, in reproducing. So it's worth the effort for them to come along. So again, it takes all this energy to, to make this, you know, and again, whether it's a, a hop and skip and a jump type migration or whether mm-hmm. it's a full-blown one time I'm going to go all the way or go most of the way, uh, it takes a lot of food. I think for us, you know, most of the birds that we see come through are doing the hop and the skip and the jump, if you will. They, you know, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll, they'll fly maybe every day, you know, at night and then feed every, every day during the daytime. So again, and the fats are a lot of, again, going back to our habitat, fats, especially fruits, have tons of fat. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the favorite things in my yard and, and around is uh, the uh, dogwoods. Oh, they just go nuts on the dogwood berries. And the dogwood berries are very, very high in fats, mm-hmm. lipids. And uh, they just will strip them clean during migration. It's it's pretty cool to watch. And, and a lot of the trees that produce those kinds of fruits, you'll see just get stripped clean 
you know, during the fall as these birds are coming right. through and migrating. So when I think, I think too, don't, don't get us wrong. Right, John, it's when you think fruits, we're not talking raspberries and, and poisonberries and, <laughs> and blueberries, blueberries and <laughs> strawberries. We're, we're talking tree fruits and tree vine fruits, fruits. Yeah. Um, shrubs, wax myrtle, bushes. yeah, yeah. Um, shrubs and bushes and across uh, North America uh, with, with service berries or, um, like you said, different dogwoods, myrtles. And I also really, I struggle sometimes. I want to appreciate poison ivy, poison oak, poison sumac. <laughs> Birds love those because even those, the lipids, the waxes and, mm-hmm. the, and the fats in, inside those berries. Um, naturalist friend of mine one time talked about they're like little milkshakes for the birds. They're just yeah. so full of just fat and energy that it's yeah. just like, it's like, like a super energy smoothie kind of thing. Yeah. So interesting. And, and it's, it's things that we can do. Don't go planting poisonous plants in your in your yard. But uh, <laughs> they'll plant themselves <laughs> anyway. There are plenty of native plants that you could be putting out. <laughs> right. Plenty of other native bushes and shrubs and vines that you can put that have those really beneficial uh, little fruits that they mm-hmm. love that help them during migration and in the middle of winter. I love the fact you brought the poison ivy up because that is often overlooked. And again, you're you're not gonna plant poison ivy in your yard. <laughs> Uh, but there's plenty of it out there. And like I said, it actually will plant itself because the birds distribute the seeds after they eat the berries. Uh, so it's going to come in, but yeah, it's, it's, I think that's a little known fact that that is a, that is a huge food plant for a lot of these birds mm-hmm. because of the high energy, high fat that content that they have. I mean, the fact that actually poison ivy, there are very few animals, a lot of other animals, deer, you know, groundhogs, all kinds of things can eat it without any mm-hmm. problem whatsoever. It just seems like it doesn't like people. <laughs> we, we seem to be the lucky recipient of the problems with poison ivy. I'm, I'm good with leaving it alone. Yep. <laughs> but So instead of poison ivy, or um, and as well as putting other native plants in your yard, there are foods that you can be putting out to supplement for the birds to help them during this time of transition for whether they're molting or whether they're in migration and you're trying to draw them into your yard to give them those those boosts of energy to keep going uh, we have lots of great foods at our wild birds unlimited stores um, and that all those stores would love to to talk with you and and share with you the the right foods for your region uh, as all the foods are regionally formulated so one of those top things uh, our wild birds unlimited plus blends mm-hmm. are a great place to start because it's a lot of different foods in one blend mm-hmm. that has lots of protein lots of fat options and it works in a variety of feeders mm-hmm. you know i think the really cool thing about this time of year and what we're talking about is you can get a lot of new birds at your feeders that you may not mm-hmm. have any other time of the year or hardly at all period uh and if you have the right foods out it's mm-hmm. kind of cool because we know there's a ton of warblers that will occasionally pop into your feeders and take advantage of suet or take advantage of bark butter or mm-hmm. bark butter bits or whatever it might be. Uh, so those are high fat foods and you know, your chances of getting a warbler at your feeders are pretty slim in most cases. I mean, there's a couple of three or four that are kind of regular visitors to our feeders at times. Uh, but when you get a movement coming through of all these different, what 20 depends on where you're at 20 to almost 30 some odd warblers that can be passing through your, your backyard or your area. Um, those high fat foods 
can really bring stuff in that you would never see otherwise. Yeah, too bad the black and white didn't hit your your bark better because I know you have it out there. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't think it found it. And bark butter is a great food for bringing in the warblers. Um, Another potential, too, sunflower chips. Uh, And especially if it's a warbler who's used to hitting bird feeders, they'll also look for chips because they they have a good fat and, and protein level in them and they they work great in tray feeders especially if you have a roof to help protect it um, protect the seeds so they'll last longer from the elements but uh, sunflower chips are a a wonderful quick little morsel for the birds to be eating Mm -hmm. yeah and you know i know you know this brian but one of my favorites is especially this time of year is peanuts oh Uh, yes i'm a big fan of peanuts yes and it's a good 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 food this time of year because it's really high in fat and it's really high in protein and so if I'm a molting, you know, I may be a local bird. Um, you know, and again, some of our birds, like woodpeckers, molt even into later into the fall, continue that molt. Um, so, you know, they're going to seek that out. And so a peanut feeder in the fall, you know, months can really be a busy, busy feeder for your backyard. So give, if you've never tried, honestly, folks, if you've never tried peanuts, give it a shot. It is really fun to feed peanuts in your backyard. Oh, I agree 100%. Yeah, and I'm talking out of the shell most of the part. In the shell, yeah, that's great too, but we're talking mainly the shelled peanuts. Yeah, uh, and these different foods from sunflower seeds and the peanuts, and uh, there are plenty of our birds, some of them are going to be cashing them. And so these are really fun to watch the birds come in, pick those up, foods up, maybe eat some, but take them away and they're mm-hmm. hiding them in peanuts peanuts and sunflower become some of their favorites yeah. to haul away so that's just a fascinating thing to be watching yeah during as we we are in that september and moving on into fall um another really fun one and i think a lot of people just kind of overlook you have goldfinches that are going crazy on finch blend or on mm-hmm. niger seed uh, and that's because they're also doing their transition of uh, feathers and some are getting ready to migrate and uh, that's a fascinating situation in and of itself across north america where different um goldfinches some migrate some don't so right right, right. <laughs> it's more regional in some areas but niger uh is very high in proteins and fats and that's why that's when, why your goldfinches are going crazy over it because it's such an easy food it's right there um but you also see them hitting all sorts of different composite seed plants that are out there, different sun, wild sunflowers and um, the rudbeckias and the coneflowers because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they got all these tiny little seeds. And it's it's those are kind of like the Niger seeds or a, a yep. fine finch or fine sunflower chip in a finch blend. So that's a fun one to watch in that and all the activity that's going on around those feeders. Yeah, and I do. I think that's the fun part. And that's that's. Uh, yeah. You and I have been doing this a long time, and the bottom line is we still get excited about coming in mm-hmm. fall and the opportunity to put these kinds of foods out. And first of all, watch the birds that are going through the mold. I mean, that's just cool to see anyway. When you see the, like, I'm just literally looking out my window right now, and there's a chickadee on my uh, Nomad cylinder, and his tail, I can look at his tail feathers, and I can tell they're molting right now. They are staggered. Instead of being square across the bottom, you know, where they were all the, basically the same length, 
this one is staggered. So I know that this, and they molt, when they molt feathers, whether on their tail or on their wings, they molt the exact same feather on each wing and each side of the tail. So if it's the farthest out feather on the right side that drops off and starts to grow new, it will also be the same feather on the left side. Same goes with the tail. That's what I'm seeing on this chickadee right now out my window is it has different levels of feathers growing in, but they're absolutely identical on each side of the tail, which is really mm -hmm. cool. So I know it's molting and, uh, you know, it's on, it's on the, uh, the, uh, no cylinder to, to get the foods and the protein. And it's actually just been coming and going for the labs. How long we've been doing this now, maybe 25 minutes. And it's been coming and going continuously, uh, throughout this entire podcast. So that's cool. Well, John, you mentioned a food there while talking about the chickadees, which is absolutely so much fun to see and spy out. Can I see that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. transition happening? Because not all birds are really obvious in the color change because they're not changing right. colors. They're just right. changing their just their feathers. Um, whereas some birds, American goldfinch is a really good example that changes into from this bright, beautiful mm -hmm. plumage of kind of that summertime to a nice dull camouflaged. Yeah. And so you can see that happen, but a chickadee is not so obvious. So it's really fun to just spy that out. But you also mentioned a food. It was on a cylinder feeder. Mm -hmm. So cylinders are a great food uh, because so many of our cylinders are <laughs> packed with all those high protein and uh, oftentimes high fat foods. And it's just one little feeder you can put out that has lots mm -hmm. of food and will be there for a long time. They last longer a lot of times than just loose blends in tube feeders or hopper feeders or tray feeders. So another great way to be able to feed the birds and bring them in to watch those, watch the behaviors and then see if you can spy out. Are they, are they showing signs of those transitions? Yeah. And, you know, and then we always talk about those cylinder feeders. I love them in the, for a lot of reasons, but the, I getting, we're getting ready to take a little vacation, about 10 days heading up to North country and, uh, you know, this time of year, I, I want to have food out for my birds. So the easiest way to do that and make sure that it lasts while I'm gone is to put the cylinders out on my feeders. And typically when I get back, they're, they're hammered pretty hard, but there's still even a little food left for the birds to continue feeding until I get them all refilled again once I return. So it's nice to know that while you're gone, you don't have to worry about, you know, and the birds can obviously, we know, take care of themselves and they can find natural foods. But it's also nice to know that you can continue to provide that supplemental food, you know, when you're not around home for a week or 10 days or however long it's going to be. That's right. It's all about helping to take care of our, our, our little neighbors, right? That we, that we invite into our yards, we invite into our lives, whether they realize it or not. Well, as we always <laughs> joke, they're our birds. That's right. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Don't you mess with our birds. <laughs> I hope everyone has realized how much fun we still have doing this after decades of feeding the birds and yeah. knowing, man, this is a great time of year, especially if for some reason you stopped feeding in the summer. Oh, no. <laughs> Go back and listen to another podcast about don't stop feeding the perks of summer feeding. Uh, but if, if it's time to kick back in, now's a perfect time because you are helping the birds in their transition and whatever that transition is, because they're all transitioning right now in some, some form. Mm -hmm. So now's a perfect time. Get those foods out there, get the birds coming back. Uh, and it, it just brings so much joy yeah. in so many respects. Yeah, it's fun. It's a lot of fun.
On behalf of Wildbirds Unlimited, I want to thank everyone for listening in to Basics of Transition. So please rate and review us. We might uh, call your uh, review out on the air. Who knows? <laughs> Absolutely. So until our next visit, and being October, we're going to talk about treats for the birds with no tricks. <laughs> we're so creative, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> but until then, Brian and I are going to continue to let nature be our guide as always. Please take care. Be safe and keep those feeders clean. Thanks for joining us, everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, get show notes, or find the Wild Birds Unlimited store nearest you, visit wbu.com forward slash podcast. We'd really appreciate you telling your friends about Nature Centered. But more than that, we hope you find a moment to relax, enjoy the birds, and stay nature centered. <laughs>